0: Thanks for listening to the Art Tactic Podcast. I'm Adam Green. We have a great episode for you this week as we chat with Bernadine Broker. She's founder and CEO of Vastari. That's a company that connects curators, collectors, and venues for exhibition loans and tours. So essentially, if you own an artwork and you want to see it in an upcoming exhibition at a museum, and you want to increase your chances of making that happen, Vastari is a good way to connect with curators who might actually be interested in including one of your artworks that you own in one of their upcoming shows. Vistari also just published two reports highlighting several really interesting museum trends across the world. So we dig into these reports with Bernadine and some of of their findings. It's a really fascinating discussion on an aspect of the art world that's often overlooked. So I hope you enjoy it. We're here with Bernadine Broker, founder and CEO of Vistari. Bernadine, thanks so much for coming on. How have you been?
1: Really well. I'm delighted to be here.
0: So at Vastari, you published two reports, the Vastari Global Report and the Exhibition Finance Report, and both of them look at some recent museum trends across the art world. But before we even get into that, let's talk a little bit about museums generally and the ones that you surveyed for this report. I think most people, when we think of museums, we think of MoMA, Tate, Met, really large institutions. But across the museum landscape, there's large ones, there's medium ones, there's small ones, there's so many museums. What's the real landscape like in terms of how big or small museums can be and how many individuals they employ on the average?
1: Yeah, it's um, it's really interesting. We do tend to think about those big uh, blockbuster exhibition venues like the uh, largest museums in the world, but the truth is there are more than 80,000 museums in the world. There are 35,000 in North America, 25,000 in Europe, and, um, and then the rest of the world also has a huge proportion, um, but interesting markets that are growing, like uh, the number of museums per capita in China, for example, is still uh, a lot less than in uh, North America and Europe, so it's growing immensely. And basically, there is so much more going on than those, uh, the, those museums you always think of. In our reports, we, we, we surveyed a lot of the users that we've been working with in uh, with Vastari and kind of wanted to lift the lid a little bit on how, how those museums work because every person that comes to us, whether it's a collector who wants one of their pieces to be shown in museums or a, a, a producer who wants to have an exhibition at a venue. Or another, a museum who wants to partner with another museum, they always go for the same names. And the truth is, the market is much bigger than people would think.
0: So something I haven't spent much time thinking about, but after reading your report, I think it's really interesting, the different ways in which museums can actually put on an exhibition. So some museums just produce their own show, bring it all together, curate it, and only show it in their museum. Then you have other cases where multiple museums partner together to create a show, and that show travels between those partnering museums. And then you also have cases where one museum produces the show, and then it travels to other museums uh, who host that exhibition and pay for it. Uh, so I think it's really interesting these different models that exist. How common are each of these and can you elaborate a little bit more as to how these exactly work within the museum space?
1: Yeah, I think um, every exhibition is a uh, a balancing act of risk and reward, I guess you could say, both in terms of the content and in terms of the finances. So. In the case where you produce your own shows, um, the museum will take the risk on the content and on the finances. So they fund the entire show and uh, fundraise for the entire show themselves, and they show it at their own venue. Um, then in the case of a partnership or co-production, you have two or more institutions that decide to share the costs, to so share the financial burdens of that exhibition, and share the content research for that exhibition, and then also ultimately share the rewards. But um, it's usually not that they, uh, they will share the kudos of having put together the show. And then they don't necessarily do a ticket revenue share. What they would do is each venue takes the tickets from the show when it's at their museum. So uh, the. Museum one will get tickets from the first uh, the first iteration, and museum two will get the tickets from the second iteration. Museum three will get the tickets from the third genera- uh, iteration. And in the last example, where you're, um, it is a hiring model. So basically, you have the venue and the producer are not the same thing, and the financial uh, structure of that can be quite different. You could have uh, a a venue hire, so that's very simple. The producer hires the venue, pays the venue a fee to to show their exhibition there. Or you have a content hire model, which is a really interesting model that at Vasari we're really interested in, which is where a museum decides to take in a show that has been shown elsewhere, and they pay a fee to take that show and to uh, to earn the ticket sales. And in that situation, they're basically taking less of the content risk because they know that that content has done well elsewhere. And then they'll uh, take the financial risk, but it tends to be lower because they don't have to start from scratch. They're just paying a hiring fee and that's less than if they had built it themselves. Um, So it's uh, it's a constant balance of, of, I guess if you think about it from a business point of view, how much you want to invest up front versus how much you'll get out of it.
0: And for those of us that aren't in the museum space, we don't really observe or pay attention to these shows that are traveling and when it's a partnership and when it's one museum that's producing it and others are hosting it. How common are each of these within the museum world? And are we seeing any recent trends where one of these is happening more frequently than maybe it used to?
1: yeah, so it, what what we did was we 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 looked at the trends of the the different business models per region and per size of museum and per type of museum. So uh, in the global report, and then in the finance report, we even look at per budget type of the museum. And what you find is that um, for example, if you look at art versus science institutions, um science institutions uh, are much more likely to host exhibitions from other parties than art institutions. Art institutions tend to want to have contributed something to the show. Um, most museums do host exhibitions, so over half of, uh, of, of museums host. Um, But we find it really interesting to think that some don't at all, that they they aren't even open to considering taking an exhibition from someone else. Um, And then in terms of partnerships, what we asked people was, um, what do you expect a partner to provide versus what you expect to provide in a partnership? And looked at kind of, it's of course not an absolute answer, but relatively you can look at the trends of what museums tend to want to partner with others for, versus what they want to contribute to the partnership. And what you really see there is that what museums want to um, get in a partnership tends to be um, that a partner who can provide objects and can provide financial support, but they don't necessarily want to um, find uh, or outsource expertise and curation. So that means that they... They want to keep doing the expertise and curation themselves, uh, but they I recognize that they um, they need to work with others to get more objects and more funding. And I think that um, overall, if if I look at it personally, what I, what I found interesting is that I think it's got a lot to do with kind of having control over the content. Uh, the more that you contribute the expertise and the curation, the more control you have over what's being shown in your institution. And... Clearly, these institutions are thinking so much about their prestige and their reputation that they really would want to keep control of the content.
0: One thing you mentioned in the report that I thought was really interesting is how important two factors are for museums when they're considering a show. One is their audience and how it will resonate with them, and second is the curatorial vision and how that fits in. And financial drivers are really not as important as these two things. What's the financial component with producing or hosting an exhibition at a museum? How much of a factor are the finances and costs associated with having a show at a museum? And what kind of trends are you really seeing when it comes to the finances associated with these museum shows?
1: Yeah, it's... um Exactly. I think that we at Mestari also came at it from kind of being an external party and we wanted to understand more about how museums work and what what their thinking is. And so we asked them how they choose exhibitions that they would like to host. So what are the main criteria that they want to use? And now the the biggest driver, which is not surprising, is that it needs to be relevant to their institution's focus. So they want to show something that makes sense for their institution. And then uh, the the, the third most important thing was um, having uh, 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 something that will draw audiences, that that, that has um, audience engagement so that you really know that you're going to have people interested in that show. Um, But the second most important thing that they mentioned was cost, whereas um, profitability of the exhibition was one of the least uh, chosen factors by the museums. So, what this means in terms of finances is most people think that museums host these temporary shows to make money, And actually, that's not the case at all. So, if you're coming from the external world, you will think you're uh, getting ticket sales for this exhibition, so you're probably going to make a lot of money uh, to show it. And what these trends are saying is that no, they actually are doing it within their budget and within what they can do. But Actually, it's 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 more about the content than about that profit.
0: One aspect of museum shows that gets so much attention, both from the media as well as social media, is the blockbuster exhibition. We see them at these major museums in major cities. I'm curious how much you looked at that, how expensive these blockbuster exhibitions are. Are they profitable for these museums? What are some of the financial findings from your survey?
1: Yeah, so... Um, I, I guess that's more relevant to the exhibition finance report because that's where we were looking at medium budgets. And um, we, well, blockbusters tend to be high-budget exhibitions. Uh, so they they cost a lot, but you also can expect to sell a lot of tickets so you'll make your money back and hopefully make a profit. Um, but what... What was interesting to find, actually, is we asked museums what their average hosting budget was and what their maximum hosting budget was. So what they tend to want to spend on an exhibition and then what they maximum would spend on an exhibition. And in the category of maximum there were very few that gave a, a budget that would be able to host a blockbuster. So it means that the majority of museums are looking for affordable exhibitions with content that's not so ex- expensive to produce, but that will engage audiences rather than the super expensive exhibitions that um, that, that, you, that tend to be more famous. Um, and also, that we just discovered that a lot of museums are working on very little money. I think that uh, it's something that people need to remember when they are uh, speaking to museums. I mean, a lot of these uh, museums are, are working on a budget of under $10,000 per show. So if you're, if you're working on that, uh, with those restrictions, there are restrictions to what you'll be able to do. And I think um, they have to be creative in how the content can be interesting to audiences and relevant today within a limited budget.
0: And I think one of the most important dynamics of all of this is social media, specifically Instagram. It's changed the art world in so many ways, whether it's at galleries or museums. We see so many museum shows that get so much attention on social media, in particular if a museum show has content that's very Instagram-friendly, very selfie-friendly. How much are museums thinking about that when curating a show or deciding to host a show at their museum?
1: Well, we haven't released those findings yet. Um, actually, what we've done with our um, with our report is it's not a one time a year report like the Taste of Art Market Report or the um, Art Basel Report. What we're planning to do is um, have it uh, as a constantly evolving data set, and 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 publishing supplements with the data that that that, that people can read if they subscribe to the information. So we've currently published. The first findings, and we think that it's already a lot for people to process. And the next step is actually we've um, gathered all of the social media followings of these 500 institutions that answer to our surveys, and we're going to look at how the, um, the the budgets and the strategies of the museums correlate to their social media following. And what we think is that's a very interesting way to start, um, but quite transparently seeing. Uh, whether that audience engagement that they care about so much is really working. And um, I guess, spoiler alert, some of the findings are quite interesting. Some of the museums with the lowest budgets have really high social media find- uh, following. So we're really investigating what the, what the, uh, what the roots of those uh, things might be and kind of analyze suggestions on how museums could work more efficiently.
0: Well, we'll definitely have to have you back on uh, when that report is published to talk about social media and how it's impacting museums. And lastly, since we haven't discussed Vastari directly yet on the podcast, I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about the platform and how our listeners may be able to leverage it to connect with curators to lend their artworks for upcoming exhibitions at museums.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, at the end of the day, I guess at our company, we believe that What's shown within museums and what audiences are drawn to are the stories that will be important to future generations, and the methods that the art world relied on in order to get that content for exhibitions were a bit antiquated. You had to know someone who knew someone who knew someone to borrow the work, and our, our company has basically been set up as a type of matchmaker of content and venues, and we connect Owners of art, with museums that are planning exhibitions related to their uh, pieces, and then we also help museums with what we were mentioning on the exhibition business models. We we help them create more sustainable solutions for their shows by hosting them at further venues and finding partners. So it's um, we basically delved deep into the business models behind the, these these exhibitions and are trying to make them. Uh, better. Um, I, I guess if you if you think about it, um, there is a big benefit of your artwork being shown in a museum. Um, it can really increase the value of the work if it's been shown uh, in an institution. And it's not really right that that benefit is only um, reserved for the people who happen to be within the network of the museum curators. We want to make sure that anyone who has relevant content can propose it to the museums. And what's really exciting is that a lot of the content matches are starting to be so unexpected. So um, we've been doing this for seven years now. In uh, in January, it'll be seven years. And um, what really is exciting is when we first started, curators would come to us and say, I'm looking for work by this artist or I'm looking for this very specific work. And uh, as we've as people have started realizing how we work and what's possible, we're getting curators that come to us and say, I'm doing an exhibition about sustainability. And I'm looking for artists or artworks that are dealing with that subject. What would you suggest? Or um, another museum that was uh, approached us and said, we're thinking we want to do something about mythology. We haven't quite figured it out yet. Do you have any collectors that would be would have interesting pieces related to that? And we match these requests with the the, the, the collectors, and new collaborations happen, and new stories are told that wouldn't be expected, and um, and that's really what we what we live for, I guess, is is, is those um, wonderful serendipitous uh, connections that can happen thanks to technology and thanks to the, I guess, also the anonymity and the security that we give the collectors.
0: Perfect. And if our listeners want to check out Vastari, either to maybe potentially upload some artworks that they have in their collection that they're interested in potentially lending for an upcoming museum show, or they want to read the reports that we've discussed in full, what's the website they can visit?
1: Yeah, they can uh, visit vastari.com. Uh, on that website, we have all of the information about the product for collectors, for exhibition producers, and for those who are interested in our data insights from the reports. So um, we would love to hear more. And uh, if anyone wants to reach out to our team directly as well, uh, you can email our team and everyone gets a copy at, at com And then whoever is relevant will respond to that email.
0: Thanks so much again, Bernadine.
1: I'm really happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me, Adam.